I would say to parents, you know what? You can't take shortcuts here. You got to do the hard work of living what you want them to learn. Live what you want your children to learn. You ain't been there, and then you ain't, and you ain't just this or did that. It don't matter. Just love on them. Or love yourself. So you have to go back and love on them. It's okay. Whatever love on them. When you look back on your life, what's one thing you needed to hear your father say? And, um, that's my experience. And I can only go off of whatever I, I've experienced for almost a decade. Persistence. Persistence don't get you where you gotta go. To handle too cold to hold, they call them Ghostbusters and they're in control. What does all that mean? That means you are now listening to Fatherhood Friday Season 5 with your host with the most charmer. How are you doing out there, uh, viewers, followers, men, women alike? Well, I'm doing well as the weather is getting warmer here in Texas. Uh, just trying to find a way to stay cool. It's already uh, 85 out here and it's and it's steadily climbing and and so I hope you're doing well as we have made it to another Friday another episode um, and today I'm, I'm, I'm diving deep into the waters again um, I'm touching a topic that can be near and dear to a lot of parents a lot of mothers and fathers uh, and today's topic, we're going to be talking about what it's like uh, to lose a baby in miscarriage or or have a stillborn baby. You know, so many times we hear the perspective from the wife or the mother, but we never we never know what it feels like from a father or a man's perspective of, of, of what they went through during that time when when they lost their child or the child was born and on arrival, it passed away. And so today I'm going to be joined. Uh, we're going to be joined by Andrew and he's all the way from Canton, Ohio. So without further ado, allow me to welcome Andrew. What's up, man? How you doing? How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good, man. Just uh, just excited to be here. Excited to have you on and and so, uh, you know, before we get started, man, you, you said you're from Canton, which you told me uh, just a few minutes ago is about an hour and a half south of Cleveland. And so I first thing I think of is the Cleveland Browns and the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Cleveland Indians. Is, is that are you a fan of the Cleveland Browns? Oh, yeah. That's right. Uh, they finally uh, are, are worth actually acknowledging that I'm a fan of. So. You know, 
<laughs> yeah, man, they had a pretty good season this year. Uh, quarterback was showing some some signs of hope. Uh, you had Chubb, the running back, and so I mean, I was excited for the Cleveland Browns just to see them get out the first round of the playoffs. What about yourself? Oh yeah, that's a the uh, I. All, all I got to say, and hopefully I don't uh, offend all your Kansas City fans, but if it wasn't for that uh, missed, missed call in the end zone, we, uh, we would have been looking pretty good heading, uh, looking like we would have been heading to the Super Bowl. So uh, we're, we're looking forward to next year. So, Hey, I'm looking forward to y'all too. Uh, there might be some Kansas City fans here. Um, my team didn't even manage getting in the playoffs, so uh, I'm not even going to mention who I'm a fan of, <laughs> and I'm just going to digress from there. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, t- before we get started on today's topic, tell tell the people out there a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So uh, my name is Andrew Fouts. I currently serve as the director of digital resources for um, the Association of Church Sports and Recreation Ministers, or CSRM. Um, I do this basically. I produce podcasts, um, help with blogging, help with uh, book publications, social media, and actually am getting ready to launch on April six my own podcast through them called Ministry Misfits. Where we just, I saw that. yeah, we we're gonna discuss some different ministry topics, um, different different things related to the American church that uh, a lot of people don't want to touch. But I'm I'm always game for the hard stuff. So yeah, me too. And I think that's one reason you know I decided to start Fatherhood Fridays because I feel like as fathers as men, sure there are plenty of platforms, but they don't ask the hard questions. Right. They they, they don't. They don't touch on the subjects that are, are prevalent to today's society and what's going on now. And so, you know, I, I'm glad you're a part of the show. And hey, maybe maybe I'll have an opportunity to be a part of your podcast once you get the ball rolling. Definitely. Okay, man. So so let's talk about today uh, this idea of you know being with your wife um because you shared this experience of this topic this topic's all too all so real to you correct yeah yeah and so take a t- go ahead oh no yeah i was say yeah unfortunately it's all too real yeah man and and uh it's it, it it's not easy to go through it it's not easy to to cope with and so you know take us back to those early years of your marriage slash relationship when you and your wife decided you wanted a family. Yeah, so uh, my wife and I actually met in college. Um, Both of us were in the ministry department. Um, And ironic, or the the funny thing of it is that I actually, when I accepted my call in the ministry, also accepted a call towards uh, singleness, which um, I assumed was gonna be lifelong until God smacked me upside the head about my junior year and said, you completely misunderstood what I said. Um, And so started dating um, our junior year of college. We got married right after um, our senior year. Um, And, you know, she, she's a, she grew up on a farm. I grew up in the inner city. So we, there's been some cultural differences there, but one thing that she's always wanted was, you know, a family. 
I assumed I was never going to have one because I assumed I was going to be single. Um, and so we, we about two or three years after being married, figured we, we finally were in a position where we could, we could look at starting a family. Um, and then, you know, it, it was kind of funny because when I, when I proposed to my wife, she didn't actually hear me. And so she said, what? And I had to ask again, when she told me we were first pregnant with our firstborn, I thought she was joking and didn't believe her. So she had to tell me again. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of, you know, the, the early years background as far, far as all that we have, a our, we had our first daughter June of 2018. So we got married in May of okay. 2014. Gotcha. Okay. And so what it sounds like is that, you know, in your early years, the, the, the two are still becoming one. Yes. So she's not <laughs> yes. quite in tune with you. You're not quite in tune with her. But as time prevailed, 2018 comes your first daughter. What, what, when your wife was pregnant with your firstborn, what were some of the things you experienced mentally spiritually or physically as a father to be uh it was it was different i'm not really sure if i can really pinpoint specific you know changes you know right away type of thing you know a lot of it we we had also just accepted a, a pastorship up in cleveland um and so you know there were a lot of mental spiritual things that you know were kind of wrapped up both in okay we're trying to shepherd this church we're also trying to prepare for our first child um you know we're trying to figure out you know the different logistics of all of that what that looks like we're trying to figure out exactly you know where responsibilities are going to lie you know all of that kind of stuff um you know and the some of the one of the more difficult things was that the the first pregnancy was was very rough um we were in and out of triage quite a bit throughout the the first pregnancy due to blood pressure and and things like that um and so there were some high anxiety doctor appointments visits um you know that we were dealing with but you know it it was something where I don't really think you can even really describe the process that goes on, you know, when during that that first pregnancy, as far as, you know, you you changing your priorities, you're starting to change your outlook on different things. You're, you know, starting to notice when outlets are left uncovered, you know, those those sort of things where you, you know, they they've always been there, but you you're starting to see them in a different light, um, you know, especially with with the first child coming in. Yeah, man. I mean, I can I can definitely relate when, you know, when my son was born in uh, 2013, man, and my wife was pregnant, I, I I didn't really know how to prepare except the typical stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm putting together the baby crib. You know, we're going to Lamar's classes, but it's not really kicking in. I'm just kind of <laughs> taking it for granted. Like, oh, they put they putting a big rock in the backpack and saying this is what it feels like to be pregnant. It just it wasn't it wasn't real until he came right. home and he's in my hand. Right. And um, you know, 9 months prior, you know, women have been with the baby, slept with the baby, fill them in their stomach. So they're already 9 months ahead yeah. of the yeah. guy. There's a lot more ketchup. Yeah, a lot more ketchup on our end. <laughs> yeah, man. And so, 
you know, you, you talk about, you know, uh, first pregnancy was rough, but you guys made it. Your daughter's born in, in uh, 2018. You know, now you're, you're a family of three. What was your initial reaction when you found out your wife's pregnant again? <laughs> yeah, we uh, we found out she was pregnant again, actually, as we were um, we were on the road. I was supposed to speak at um, shout out to the Reach Gathering Conference. Little plug there. Um, getting ready to speak at Reach Gathering. So we were on the road in a hotel and she just felt a little bit off. And so she got a test and it came back positive. And it was another one where first she told me. And so I thought she was just joking, trying to mess with me. And then she showed me the test and started freaking out because like we finally have gotten used to having a baby around. Uh, and now here we go again. Um, <laughs> And especially with us being on the road at the time, it made it very, you know, it was a little, little crazy chaotic there for, for a little bit. Um, you know, once we were able to get back home from the conference and she was able to get, you know, get set up with the doctor and things like that, things, you know, we were able to kind of get, get under our feet a little bit and, and start the process. But the initial reaction was very, uh, crazy chaotic, um, probably more so due to the circumstances of us finding out than actually, you know, just the excitement of another one. Cause it sounds like to me, you guys were juggling a lot. Like you, you guys were, you know, starting a new family, but you also were in ministry yeah. and, and yeah. you said you, you founded a new church. So it sounds like you, you guys had some stressors. Yeah. There. I actually, at this time, um, we were, we were helping with a church plant there up in Cleveland. Um, and I was also teaching for teaching a PE at one of the local Christian schools. And so, you know, we were balancing a lot of, a lot of that stuff. I was still, I was already at that point, I had been working for about a year for CSRM um, and was still working for them and kind of my role was expanding a little bit as um, leadership was recognizing how important this technology stuff is. And so my role kept expanding um, there. So yeah, there, there were a few additional stressors coming in, but it was, we, we were excited and trying to figure out how do we explain to a one-year-old that she's going to be a sister. Um, you know, th those sort of things were kind of the initial, like, oh, how, how do we actually do this? Um, so yeah, that, but yeah, it was, it was exciting. It was just a little, little chaotic right there at first. Yeah. Cause I mean, as just as a, uh, a dad or, or, or a new new marriage, new family, sometimes you don't know if you were to be transparent if you were yeah. coming or going. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, as we kind of move along in, in this conversation, explain what, what was different about this first, what was different about the first pregnancy compared to the second yeah, pregnancy? Yeah, so like I said, the first pregnancy um, was a little difficult. Um, we were in and out of triage after appointments um, due to, you know, some blood pressure type stuff. Um, and even, even all the way up until delivery, you know, we ended up with our firstborn. It had to be an emergency C-section. Um, the doctor had misplaced the, the monitor. And so it caused um, our daughter to go into distress. And so they had to do an emergency C-section. 
um, you know, that first pregnancy was very rough and a little, little stressful and, and wild. The second pregnancy though, was like the complete opposite. Um, everything that could go right seemed to be going right. Um, you know, we, we found a doctor that my wife really liked. Um, you know, he kept an eye on the blood pressure, but wasn't too concerned about it. You know, they were, it was very easy going for the most part. Um, you know, very, very little, no, very few issues, if any. And, you know, just a, your typical normal, you know, pregnancy. Yeah. And, 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 you know, sometimes that's, that's just like life where, we think we're smooth sailing, everything's going how it needs to be going, and then all of a sudden, here comes the storm. Right. And so, as you were going from first trimester to second trimester to third trimester, talk about that last trimester of, of what, what yeah, happened. Yeah, so going into that, that third trimester, um, you know, mostly like I said it, everything was going smooth there. Um, you know, the biggest stressor on us was there were some issues going on at the school I was at. Um, and so I actually had resigned and we were, we were trying to figure out, okay, where are we going to move? Um, you know, what, what's that going to look like? We were trying to figure that stuff out. Um, and then actually it was two days after I had handed my resignation in at the school, um, you know, we, we had found a good church here in Canton, actually, even though we were living in Cleveland, um, Third Street Community Church that our, our friends actually that we trained with in ministry, they had planted. And so we were looking to them kind of as a respite type of area for us to kind of recover. Um, you know, we, the, the associate pastor and his wife had prayed with us about, you know, making this decision with a baby coming in and a new job and looking for a new place to live and all of this stuff. And throughout that day, my wife just said she felt kind of off and she wasn't really feeling the baby kick. Um, and so we got home and, uh, we, we thought we were on our way to the hospital when our daughter that, you know, was a toddler running around had sliced her lip open. We thought, oh, well, we're guess we're going to the hospital now for stitches. Um, you know, that turned out to be nothing, but my wife still was feeling a little bit off. So she called her doctor and the doctor was like, you, you know, it's probably nothing, but you guys probably should just come in and, you know, have them, you know, just check everything out. Um, we were actually supposed to have an ultrasound the next morning that was already scheduled. Um, so we we spent about an hour trying to find a babysitter first of all for our, for our other daughter and you know finally went in um they took my wife back to do the you know the initial screening stuff like that and i i first started to think something was off when they did not come to get me um i i sat in the waiting room mm. about um i think it my wife and I were talking about this. We're not a hundred percent sure on the time because it felt like about 45 minutes to me. She said she thought it was only about 15 minutes, but either way, I was like, they were just supposed to take her blood pressure and then bring me back there. They, you know, what's going on when they finally brought me back. Um, you know, they brought me back and she was in the room and there were a bunch of doctors and like two, two ultrasound machines in there. And the, there was only like one light on in this exam room and everybody was just really quiet 
And I was like, I have no idea what's going on. And finally, my wife told me that, you know, they had checked and they went and got another machine and checked and they just, there was no heartbeat. Um, you know, they didn't know what was going on. They weren't sure exactly why, but, you know, she was gone and we don't know why. Um, and so, wow. you know, it was, it was very, very difficult more so I think than just hearing the fact that our daughter was gone, but the fact that, you know, they, they had told my wife this while she was back there by herself, leaving me in the waiting room. And then when I got back there, they, they made her tell me, um, you know, so in addition to wow. you know, just the loss, the way that it was delivered to us, you know, was, was added, added onto it. Wow. So y'all think y'all going for a a routine checkup, just getting the ultrasound, making sure everything is okay. She doesn't come back. They don't come back and get you. You're waiting 15 to maybe 45 minutes. Then when you finally get in the room, it's like, here comes the blow. Uh, We're losing this baby. So what's, I mean, what's going through your mind? uh, the The first thing I asked the doctors was, you know, is she okay? Um, you know, is my wife okay? And they're like, yeah, she's, she's fine. She's healthy. You know, there's no risk at this point. And they said, you know, this is the process, you know, she's, you know, we were at 35 weeks at this point, um, almost 36 weeks at this point. And they're like, so we're just, you know, she's going to have to deliver so we can either induce her, um, or we can do a C-section or we can just wait you know, and they were on, they basically said, you know, we're on your guys's timetable at this point um, because there's nothing that anybody can do. And, you know, it's not going to hurt, you know, hurt my wife at all for, you know, to wait a while to do this. Um, and so like, you know, take your time, you know, we can either start the process tonight, we can start it tomorrow, you know, whatever. Um, and so I went, I went out into the waiting room, um, to call call our parents which was one of the most difficult things i've ever had to do was to you know call call gr- the grandparents and tell them you know they don't their granddaughter's gone wow um <laughs> you know and then when when we went back in the room we you know we asked you know so we're we can do this tomorrow you know we don't have to do anything tonight and like yeah we can you know we can do this tomorrow we can do it in two weeks you know it's all up to you and, you know, we, we both were like, we just want to go hold our, you know, hold our other daughter, um, for the night. And so, you know, we went and picked up our other daughter. Um, I don't really know if we ever actually slept that night or not. Um, you know, we, we picked her up, slept on the couch with her. Um, my wife's grandparents came up and picked up our daughter, uh, to take her back home with them for the day. And then we went, we went to the hospital and they, they started the induction process at that point. Um, she delivered later that evening, like 2 AM the next day. Um, we, we were very thankful that our, our pastor, um, came up, even though he came up more as our friend than our pastor at that point. Um, you know, the associate pastor's wife, who is a professional photographer, came up and took pictures for us. Um, yeah. The, uh, 
Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I know, I know. Even now, even after all this time, I know you're, you know, probably still a little sensitive behind talking about it. And so, uh, man, that that's, you know, I, I, I apologize, and I know you're probably like two, three years removed now. <laughs> yeah, it's been about eighteen months, I think. I don't know. Math is math is not my strong suit. Um, <laughs> you know the the. You know the the additional aspect which i don't think we ever were you know we we kind of were prepared for the heartbreak of you know having to hold her and every getting well getting to hold her not having to getting to hold her um everything but the the other big thing that we were not prepared for was having to actually leave the hospital um the next day when you know having to leave her there you know they they the hospital gave us the blanket. They gave us the hat. You know, they did all the typical baby stuff, um, you know, that you would do. But you know, having having to actually leave her there was, you know, probably I would say a about the same hurt level as having called the parents, but maybe a little bit more difficult. Um, but it those two things, no matter you know, those were definitely the two hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. I mean, I can only imagine, man, because you're leaving a part of yourself at the hospital. It's like you're having a birth and a funeral at the same time. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a th- the hospital was very, you know, they as unsensitive as they were the night before. Um, they were they were very sensitive um, about all of this. You know, we were given a room in the corner you know, by ourselves, both during the induction process and even, you know, you know, post delivery, um, you know, they, they had, uh, one of the, the chaplains come up with us, you know, before we left everything like that. Um, you know, so that it, they, they were very good about making sure that we were taken care of because it, it really was, you know, it was both beginning and ending all at one time. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of times in, in the Christian faith, you know, people think that once you give your life to the Lord, once you give your life to God, that, you know, there's no more challenges. There's no more problems. Yeah. Just ride off into the sunset. But listen to your story. That's, that's far from the truth. Would you agree? Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. And I mean, my response typically to people like that is you, you obviously have skipped a few books of the Bible as you've read through it. Uh, <laughs> uh, there, there's, right. there's quite, quite a few stories to debunk that myth. Um, but yeah, it, you know, we were, we were very thankful that we were with the church family that we were at the, at the time when all of this was happening because they were very, very supportive, very helpful. Um, you know, we didn't pay for, for anything as far as the, the memorial service. Um, you know, there was one of our friends, family there that was at the church paid for all of the food to be brought in. Um, the worship team came in and, and played the service, you know, even though we, we technically weren't even really a part of this church yet because, you know, like I said, we, mm-hmm. we had just started kind of going there, you know, kind of in a, in a recuperating kind of sense. But the entire church just responded immediately to to us, um, you know, and came around us. And yeah, it 
that that was one of the the main things that we were able to to lean into was the fact that we actually had a church family that was able to come around us during all of this. We were very thankful it happened when it did and that we were with this church. But yeah, it it was not something that you know we really could understand at the time or you know want to understand and even like you were saying with it, it kind of caused some weird weird questions to be asked of us because uh my wife at you know her at her job everybody knew i was a pastor um you know the hr rep was a part of the church that i was leading um and when they heard what had happened you know there were a lot of people saying how could this happen to that family of all families within this office you know they're they're a ministry family they're a faithful family they obviously believe in god all this stuff but yet this is what happens to them and so it it did allow from a ministry perspective it gave us opportunities to kind of share a little bit about you know the you know there there is no easy life you know after you know becoming a christian there is no it's just that we're able to you know we're able to deal with the pain from a different perspective um yeah yeah and and i would i would definitely agree with what what you're saying um because we're we're not infallible yeah god is you know infallible and perfect and all-knowing but we're we're imperfect we're flawed and you know, I'm reminded in, in Ecclesiastes where it says uh, time and chance happens to us all. Yeah. And so th- it, it's a chance that any woman, whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, could, could have a miscarriage or have a stillborn baby. It's a chance that, you know what I mean, you could get hit in a car accident. Yeah. And, and it's not predicated on if you believe in God or if you don't believe in God. Right. And, you know, uh, that's, that's what the, the two things that we kind of were able to lean into, um, besides, you know, our physical church family was that, you know, I, I had taught on this, I had written, you know, high school Bible curriculum on this, uh, all this stuff, uh, you know, in the book of Job, we're, you know, Job one twenty one of the, you know, naked, I come naked, I leave the Lord gives Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. That, that verse specifically was the first thing that came to mind. And for the first mm. time, I fully understood why Job had to had to say, blessed be the name of the Lord at the end of it. Because if you don't have right. that peace, there is nothing to lean on. There is nothing to yeah. lean on. And, I mean, because anybody could say, blessed be the name of the Lord, when you have everything, when everything is going well, but it's hard to continue to follow God, to continue to believe in God as a father when you're losing things like, yeah. as you put with Job. Yeah. And, you know, and, that, and that's what, you know, we, we hear that verse talked about a lot, but until you've actually experienced, experienced in some fashion, the loss that Job actually has in that point of whether it's you've completely lost your entire savings, your wealth or you've, you've lost your family or at least a major piece of your family. You know, we, we, we understand Job's sorrow and depression as far as, you know, that first part of the verse of, you know, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but we, we kind of just glance over that last little piece, but that last little piece is honestly the, 
that really is the key on how to actually deal as a Christian with a lot of these kind of topics. And it, it was something that we kind of, I had never really recognized fully until experiencing this. Um, yeah, it, that, that was kind of the, the first eye opener for us was the reality that, you know, it, it was almost an encouraging thing. The fact that that was the first verse that we, we were kind of drawn into because it, it kind of helped us realize, okay, we, we're going to be able to deal with this if we are able to still say, blessed be the name of the Lord through all of this. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, man. And, and, and I commend you for, for what not only you, but what your wife did as well. And so when you were talking to me uh, a few days ago uh, through email, you were saying that usually when these kind of things happen, there's a lot of uh, resources for women to, to get through, but but you found that there's not a lot of resources or, or things you can go through to help a man get yeah. through or cope with the idea of losing a child. You want to touch yeah, on that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's understandable why. Um, you know, everybody looks at mom as, well, you've just lost this baby you've been carrying. And, you know, there's a lot more, you know, there, there's already enough postpartum depression stuff that plays in after a live birth, but especially after a stillbirth, you've got the postpartum depression plus the depression of losing a child. Um, and so, you know, it's very understandable why mom gets focused on a little bit more. And there are a lot of good good resources for moms. Um, the one that my wife really leaned into is um, called Hope Mommies. Um, there's a Facebook group, there's a Bible study that they do. They've produced workbooks, things like that. Um, coloring books was a big one also that, you know, for the moms to do. Um, but you know, for dad, there really was not much, you know, I found a semi support group (laughs) on Facebook. Um, but you know, the, it's a support group where dads were able to come and share, but you know, there really is nothing beyond sharing that we're able to do because, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a, you know, necessarily a Christian organization. It's not run by a ministry. It's just a group of dads that all have lost their children coming together to be able to share, um, you know, cause it, w- one thing that we also learned from all this that you don't really, we never really fully understood is that, you know, until you have actually lost a child, you cannot actually understand what to do from, you know, a friend perspective, a ministry perspective. You know, there's a lot of good, you know, good intentions of things people tell you, people, you know, saying to you, people calling you that really do nothing. They, they don't do anything. They don't hurt you because, you know, they're good intention, but they definitely don't help. Um you know, they don't help at all. And you can't understand that until you've actually gone through it. And then when you have gone through it and you hear other people's stories, you know, it, it continues to go into the scene of all of us are experiencing something completely different from the loss of our child, but we've all lost a child. So we've got that in common, but we, you know, there's really no cookie cutter way of dealing with this. Um, and dad kind of gets left off to the side because he's, you know, he wasn't the one carrying he's, you know, and, and, you know, unfortunately, and, you know, some, you know, I know this is the whole point of your, your podcast is that in, in a lot of ways, fathers are almost assumed to be just kind of distant from the whole child rearing process. And so it's just assumed 
they're going to be fine during all this. We just got to focus on mom. But you know, the, the, the unfortunate thing is that the dads need it in that unless you, unless the dad is already a part of some kind of supportive community and specifically a, a good, you know, foundational Bible believing church that's able to actually minister to the person, you know, it, there's just, there's nothing there. And it, it was very eye opening in a very heartbreaking way that there was nothing there. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm surprised that, that even, even as you say that, because I mean, we're in the 21st century, it's, it's, it's 2021 or in your case, 2019. So you would think that there's some kind of pamphlet, some kind of resource, some kind of practice you can tap into to help dads get through it, but there's not. And so, you know, for all those that are listening out here, dads have real feelings too. Dads go through pregnancy just like a woman. Sure, we're not carrying the child physically, but there's still other aspects of it mentally, uh, emotionally, uh, you know, spiritually that we carry nine months. I found myself when my wife was pregnant that when she was hungry, yeah. I was hungry. <laughs> that, <laughs> I don't know why that, that was one of like, the as soon as she was like, I'm hungry, yeah, I was that was one too. of the best parts of uh, our first pregnancy was that the the one thing that my wife seemed to be craving all the time was Chipotle. And so that meant I got extra Chipotle on a more regular basis because that's what she wanted. So we went to Chipotle. Yeah, that that's definitely one of the benefits of the uh, the the pregnancy as far as from the man's side is that, you know, when they have the cravings and their good cravings, we get to enjoy it as well. Right, because a lot a lot of women don't want to Yeah, they don't want to eat alone themselves because they too right they don't want to eat alone and feel embarrassed that i'm eating and we two yeah. people so you find yourself eating and we've got to eat more so that way they don't feel like they're you know stuffing their face you know they look like they're still eating less than us if we eat more so it's our you know it's our responsibility to to eat when they're eating <laughs> exactly and that's why i mean men are men yes. are pregnant too they whether you want to believe it or not especially if you're going to be involved during the pregnancy, in that child's life, et cetera, et cetera. And so, man, as we up, man, because I feel like you, you've already answered some of these questions without even me having to ask. And so, you know, what's one thing you want to leave with the dads out there that have ex- experienced losing a child before? Yeah, I mean, uh, the first thing really only applies to, you know, dads that have, you know, faith in faith in Christ and that are Bible believers. Um, you know, this was kind of, you know, because I, I'm a minute, you know, ministry guy, a theology guy, there was one theological truth that kind of came to light that we never fully, we, uh, we, you know, we knew it was there, but we didn't fully grasp it until, and this was something that my wife and I both kind of wrestled with a little bit it, is the idea of that, you know, God never intended it to be this way. You know, we, we weren't meant to, we weren't meant to experience loss and death and the, these sort of ways, and especially death of your child. You know, parents are not supposed to outlive their children and God never intended for it to be that way, but because of sin, we're here. And you know, that, that was a, a very helpful thing in the process of knowing that, you know, 
we th- this is not god didn't just take her away just because he felt like it this is you know this is not something that God ever intended for anybody to have to deal with. And so it is okay if you feel like you can't deal with it because you're not supposed to be dealing with it. Um, But God's going to be able to provide you with, with resources and opportunities to be able to get through it and to use it Um, for, for the rest of, you know, the audience, you know, the big thing is going to be, you're going to have to find somebody that you can trust somebody that, um, you know, actually does understand whether it's because they've lost a child themselves or because they actually know you enough to know when you're not okay um, to be able to to try to process some of this stuff through. Because, you know, some some of these feelings, some of the, the hurt, the anger, you know, the, the depression stuff, you can't really deal with it with your wife like you would in a lot of other situations because she's going through the same, if not more, um, you know, there's a lot of feeling from the wife of, you know, I did something wrong or I could have done something better or, you know, you know, we, we had a perfect pregnancy up to this point. There was nothing that she did that caused this. There was nothing that could have been done to prevent it. It was a freak accident with a cord. You know, there, there was no way anybody could have expected this would be the end result. So, you know, you, you, you can't really necessarily deal with a lot of these things with your wife. Although if she wants to talk about it, you better be willing to, <laughs> um, you know, which, which goes way, that, that's just general marriage advice, you know, in general is if she's willing to talk about it, you probably should. Um, but you know, you, you need to have somebody, I was lucky enough that, you know, my, my boss mentor, um, you know, what have you, um, you know, the, the first thing he did when he finally felt like he, it was going to be okay for him to call me directly. You know, I expected it to be, you know, about the podcast episode that was like three weeks late. Cause I was in no, no condition to be editing. Um, but the, the call went something like, I am here. Talk to me, tell me what to do. There was no like, it's going to be okay. Or, you know, God works in, you know, all those stereotypical answers. It was literally a attitude of, I am here for you to use me however you need to use me. If you want to hang up on me, hang up on me. If you want to yell and scream and, you know, all that, do it. If you want to talk about it, great. If you want to talk about something else, great. But I'm just here. And the just the physical presence was all that really was necessary. Um, you know, th- those are the big things is, you know, both for people that have experienced losing a child or for people that are trying to help people through the loss of a child is that just the physical presence of other people is much more important than actual words or methods or anything like that. I would agree. I would agree. And, and, and it makes me think of a scripture in Hebrews that says, you know, never yeah. uh, forsake the assemblies of one another. And so that, you know, that's why, you know, fellowship and, and friendship and, and support is important in, in the body of the church and, and just in our day to day lives, you know, doing life together. And so, man, this, this it goes, has been a blast. Yeah, that verse goes way beyond um, just mandatory attendance on Sunday morning. <laughs> there, there's way more involved right. to that. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. it's doing life together. Moments like these, experiences like what you're talking about. And so 
I'm going to end it there, folks. This has been another episode of Fatherhood Fridays with Chalmer and Andrew. And, and, and we just keeping it real today. Um, if you like what you're hearing, this is more reason why you can support. And how can you support? You can donate by going to my website, www.fatherhoodfriday.com, hitting the tab that says support, and then hitting it one more time, and that'll bring you to anchorfm.com where you can donate a one-time donation or monthly donation of $0.99, cent, $4.99, or $9.99, which would be greatly appreciated. Also, uh, as a favor to me, if you enjoyed this episode, copy and paste it from wherever you're at and share it with someone that might need to hear it. Uh, last but not least, if you want to follow me, I'm, I'm on all social media platforms, uh, including LinkedIn. So continue to follow me or you can go to the Facebook group page and listen to the latest episodes or even old episodes from Fatherhood Fridays. Until then, we will see you back next Friday. Thanks, Thanks for bringing for me you on, Andrew. And here's a sneak peek into next week's Fatherhood Friday episode. I do want to say is uh, no matter what you are going through, no matter what it is that you're going through, um, you don't have to tell your business to everyone, but you have to find at least someone. And, and if you can find that one person that will be a life-giving relationship to you, that will sometimes tell you when you're doing something that you may not like to hear, but it's always with the intention of leading you to life, 